0: Welcome to the Race with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from Hosea chapter 5. Hosea chapter 5. Hear this, you priests. Pay attention, house of Israel. Listen, O house of the king, for this judgment applies to you because you were a trap at Mizpah and a net spread out on Mount Tabor. The rebels sink deeper into slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. Now Ephraim, you still practice sexual immorality. Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not allow them to return to their God, for a spirit of prostitution lies within them, and they do not know the Lord. The arrogance of Israel testifies against them. Israel and Ephraim will stumble over their guilt. Judah also will stumble with them. They will go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. They acted treacherously against the Lord. They even gave birth to illegitimate children. Now the new moon will devour them along with their allotted land. Blow the ram's horn in Gibeah and the trumpet in Ramah. Raise a battle cry in Beth-Avon. Lead the way, Benjamin. Ephraim will become desolate ruins on the day it is punished. What I have made known among the tribes of Israel will certainly happen. The officials of Judah are like people who move a boundary stone. I will pour out my wrath on them like water. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, because he was determined to pursue worthless idols. I am like a moth to Ephraim, and like decay to the house of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness, and Judah saw his wound, Ephraim went to Assyria, and sent to the great king for help. But he is not able to heal you, and he will not cure your wound." because I will be like a lion to Ephraim, and like a young lion to the house of Judah. Yes, I will tear him to pieces, and go away. I will carry them off, and there will be no one who can rescue them. I will go. I will return to my place, until they admit their guilt and seek my face. In their distress, they will earnestly seek me. This is the word of our God. With these words, God again addresses the priests of the land, but also now he expands it to include those who are in the royal court, those who are entrusted with the, the ruling activity and the ruling government of the people, as well as the elders of the people. This judge, They were supposed to um, make sure that there is judgment and justice. They were supposed to guarantee freedom and peace and security to God's people. And in their hands, this has become the very opposite. The ones who are supposed to guard justice have now um, really become hunters of people, talking about the net and the snare and the pit um, in, this, in this chapter, in the early part of this chapter. They have become the hunters of people, that is, their, their adulterous and idolatrous religious life have now borne the fruit of hatred for others and greed for self and seeking only to, to use others as a means to financial gain and the God of judgment will punish them. That's what we have in verses 1 and 2 at the very beginning. Hear this, you priests, pay attention and listen, for this judgment applies to you, because you are a trap and you are a net spread out on Mount Tabor. The rebels sink deeper into slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. And so that's what really God says here, that God is going to punish them, that there's going to be no hope of escaping this punishment, that God who knows all and God who sees all Definitely sees the sin of Israel. That's what he says in verse 3. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. Now, Ephraim, you still practice sexual immorality. Israel is defiled. And Ephraim is one of the tribes there in the 10 northern tribes of Israel. And so God often uses that term Ephraim as interchangeable for Israel, the 10 northern tribes. Israel is not hidden from me. You still practice this, and you are defiled. And so they think to themselves, well, you know, we're familiar with our God. We are, we're familiar with what we're supposed to do. All we have to do is go through the motions. All we have to do is demonstrate some repentance. All we have to do is go say we're sorry and maybe offer a few sacrifices and then he'll be okay with that because they have become so familiar with God that they, that they think that it is a trifling thing for them to follow idol, idols and to perform idolatry and they are so familiar that they have no respect for the Lord and this is exercised in the way that they have totally turned their back on him and now that God is threatening punishment they say to themselves, oh let's just, let's do that we might as well, you know, we'll cover our bases. Um, but God says verse four, their deeds do not allow them to return to their God. Why? For a spirit of prostitution lies within them and they do not know the Lord that their own deeds, they are trapped in their own sin. They are trapped by their sin and they don't want to give it up. And that's the attitude that they have, that I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't want anybody to tell me any differently. And the spirit of prostitution lies within them is kind of the second second statement there. First, their deeds do not allow them to return. Secondly, the spirit of prostitution lies within them. And what he's talking about there is that constant desire for something other than the one true God. This is this this spirit of, of idolatry, this spirit of looking and seeking from others what they should only seek from the Lord. It's this idea of, you know, trying to, even if it's something small or something major, trying to find benefit and trying to receive assurance, maybe a word about the future even, from someone or something that is not the true God. And it looks harmless. You know, maybe it's just a a pinch of this and a smidge of that and reading of this and a prayer of that and maybe just incorporating even, even something that is culturally acceptable. Everybody has a good luck charm. Everybody reads their horoscope. Everybody is superstitious in just a little way, but what's the harm in that? Come on. That spirit of prostitution lies within them. And they do not know the Lord. What we're talking about there is that they have forgotten the Lord. And that the content of faith is knowledge, trust, and assent. Knowledge, which is, you know the facts about our Lord. Trust that you trust that this God is the one who has, who has saved you. And it's a, that's what faith is. That faith is trust. And then assent is that bowing of the head to say, yes, his way is better than mine. And I want to follow his way and do his will. And so as we're going along here, um, there's hope of escape by repentance is cut off because they're trapped in their sin. And they're trapped by this this spirit of prostitution, which obsesses them. And they're even proud of their deeds that make them guilty. That's verse five. The arrogance of Israel testifies against them. Israel and Ephraim will stumble over their guilt and Judah also will stumble with them. They're proud of their sin to say, you know, what can you, what can you tell me that I shouldn't be doing this? How backwards are you? (laughs) And you could, you could probably expand it from there because that's the arrogance of sin. Sin makes us say dumb things. Sin makes us stupid. And sin really consumes our lives in a way that doesn't make sense. But it still, it certainly does. The arrogance of Israel testifies against them. How can they return if that is if that is the case? If they are not ashamed of their sin? but they think, oh, all I have to do is offer a sacrifice to God and make him happy. All I have to do is show up at the temple once or twice and make him happy. And then I can get back to what I really want to be doing. That's what Hosea is really talking about today. It's this empty religious life of the people who have turned their backs on the Lord. This empty religious life of people who, yes, in this chapter, were entrusted with guarding the cultural livelihood of the people, guarding the religious life in the day to day, both in the teaching and in the governance and among the elders of the people. That is to say, among those who should have known better, but they didn't. Their flourishing religious life, so to speak, is not going to deliver them from judgment either. For they seek the Lord with offerings, but not with their hearts, which have been faithless to the Lord. Verses 6 and 7. They will go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. They acted treacherously against the Lord. They even give birth to illegitimate children. Now the new moon will devour them, along with their allotted land. The Lord has withdrawn from them, and their religious observance, that new moon celebration is not going to save them. So what shall we learn from this? It's pretty intense, first of all, and it's um it's going to get stronger throughout the book of Hosea. It's a very intense statement of how God's people have fallen, and it wasn't wasn't necessarily one big fall all at once, but it was here and there, little by little, where the priests weren't doing their job, and in the nation of Israel, the kings weren't doing their job, and the elders of the people were not correcting the people, but instead were leading them astray. What shall we learn from this? Well we consider our own lives and maybe you think of your childhood or you listen to somebody who's a little bit older than you perhaps talking about what was life like in the church when they were growing up with um or maybe the the strict older pastor, you know, if you've I've served in a couple of different churches now and there's always the story of, of the old pastor from thirty, forty, fifty years ago who was very strict and very stern and and very forceful. And is it possible that we, you know, pastorally, personally, each of us, that we have been the tiniest little bit of a participant in a dangerous familiarity, a dangerous sense of familiarity? Is it possible that we've been the participant in the sense of, well, I know my Lord, I know what I believe, and I just go on my way and I go about my day? That we think that. Our religious life and our faith life is simply this bucket of knowledge, and once our bucket of knowledge is filled up, then what am I supposed to do with my life? What do you want from me? But faith is knowledge, trust, and assent, that we put this into practice and that we that we want to hear, yes, good preaching uh, from our pastors that convicts us of sin. Not just that merely tickles the intellect and makes us makes us wonder what's going next and what's going to happen next in the sermon, but preaching that convicts us of sin so that we stand there or sit there listening and we recognize, Lord, I have sinned against you. I am guilty of this. Not just, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, thank, thank God, Jesus did something for me no, this is, this is a matter of life and death. And we need to find a way to continue communicating that fact to those around us and to those who come after us. And so what does that look like in your life? Well, if you have children or grandchildren, do they know, do they know and do they recognize that your church family is important to you? Do they know and do they recognize that worship on Sunday morning is important to you every week? Do they know and do they recognize what it is that you do when you walk up to the Lord's table and when you come back? Have you taken a moment to talk with them or to answer their questions? Do they know and do they recognize that their status also, by virtue of their baptism, is that they are strangers and pilgrims in this world and that this world will hate them? And if it doesn't, then we should double check where our heart really stands. There's a lot there, and I'm sure that, um, I'm sure that might give you a little bit of a lead in. If you have any questions or comments or reactions, contact us uh, RWJPodcast at gmail.com and we'll follow up on this over the next next few days as well, because this is a major theme in the Prophet Hosea, where he talks about people who are going through all the externals, but their, their hearts and their minds are wandering. And that is not a place where we want to be. As uncomfortable as it might be to discuss some of these things, it is important for us to discuss it, to analyze our own hearts, to be diagnosed by the great physician, as it were, and to be brought to return in joy to our Lord. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raise with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.